Um, real quick, um, before we do that, um, I just wanted to um, bless and appreciate some people. Oh, and thank you all who brought in all the cards for my birthday. I feel very celebrated. That was unexpected, but I'm not mad about it. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, Tuesday was my birthday. And thank you. I'm 48. I answered it once. Now I don't have to answer it again. 48. Um, but no, this isn't about me. I, I've been waiting actually a couple weeks to do this. Um, I wanted to acknowledge just quickly a staff transition we had here at the church. Um, for um, a, a while, we had um, an amazing servant of the Lord, Annie Leiprint, serving as our office administrator. Uh, a few months ago, she made a transition into a new and honestly better job. Uh, but I wanted to publicly thank her because she's been so good to me uh, while she's been working here and saved my behind many times, um, and she's not here, but Jeff is, and I have a gift for Annie, so thanks to Annie for that. Oh, she's watching. She's watching. Did you hear the claps, Annie? We're clapping for you. Um, into that uh, space has stepped another who's amazing, just so you know, Rebecca Algrove, who's now serving in the office. Um, but I wanted to take this moment to um, appreciate just a couple other people because um, the heart of, of, of service is unto the Lord, right? Um, and the truth is we don't thank people enough. And I don't have time to thank everyone. But over the summer months, things are crazy, especially in our kids' ministries because families are coming and going and camping and this and that and the other. Um, and over and over and over and over and over again, and I could say more without exaggerating. Um, two people continue to step in when there's a need in our kids. And we're so thankful for Sandy and Rebecca. They hate this, by the way. So don't, don't look at them. They don't want you to look at them. You know, the, the best servants are the ones like, don't, no, 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 don't, no. But we love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we appreciate your service to the Lord, but also to us. So thank you. All right, we're going to get into the Word of God. We are in, um, we've been talking about the way of Jesus. That's the, the series we're in. And I love saying that, you know, a few weeks ago, almost a month ago, I'd say um, Marvin talked about the worth of Jesus. Now we're talking about the way of Jesus to lead us into the Jesus revolution, right? So um, at least the conference. So I'm excited about all of that. Um, and, uh, you know, as we, we lead that way, so you can open up if you have a Bible to Luke chapter 11, um, although we won't be there long and we're going to look at a lot of different passages, but just to give you somewhere to go. If you don't have a Bible, you can check it on a, a Bible app or we'll always try to have the scriptures up here on, on the projector screen as well. Um, but yes, the way of Jesus, I believe, does lead us into um, a great Jesus revolution. I read somewhere recently um, where someone said that um, really revival is just when the New Testament becomes real in our daily experience again. And I, I like that. I agree with that. You know, when we come most fully alive to the reality of Jesus in our midst is when we're revived. Amen? Uh, so it's not like we're necessarily looking for something new you know, because we think of, you know, revival revolution as something new and, and, and amazing. Maybe we should just think of it as returning to normal life, the normal Christian life. 
when we're fully alive and fully aware of the power and presence of Jesus in our midst. And so that brings us to Luke chapter 11, because these were the, Luke and, and these guys were walking with Jesus. In the, they were fully aware uh, of the power and presence of Jesus because they're walking with him. Right? They're walking with him day in, day out. Um, they see his works, the miracles. They hear his words. They get to ask him questions. They get to interact with him personally. How amazing, right? That this, this is the essence of life, right? And if revival is to come to life, they're experiencing life. And I believe what happens in Luke chapter 11 is they've been so aware of the life of Jesus in the midst that their, their hunger, in a sense, overtook them to the point where they're like, Jesus, we have to know how to get what you have. We want to get in the way that you're going. <laughs> we want to walk in the way that you're walking because if you're our rabbi, and this would have been their understanding, that's our job. Right? Because the, the job of the disciples of any rabbi was to become just like them. And, and, and I've said this before, but even to the point of mannerisms and figures of speech and ways of moving their hands, that's how detailed the disciples would get with their rabbis. Like they literally wanted to imitate everything. And so they see that Jesus has, I believe, the key to his earthly life where he's going off into these places to be with the Father like, Jesus, you haven't shown us that yet. And that's where we jump in at Luke chapter 11. I'm just going to read this. And, and I, I gave you all that intro because these, some of these verses are words we may be very, 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 very familiar with. I hasten to say too familiar with. But I want you to see the context so that it becomes real to you in a fresh way. So Luke chapter 11, I'm just read the first couple of verses. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, the one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, verse 2, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. I'm just going to read through verse 4. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right, let's just pray and then we're going to dive into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your living word. We thank you for the life of your son. We thank you for your Holy Spirit with us right now, and we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you take us into the knowledge of you, in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so again, while they were asking, Jesus teach us to pray, I believe, and this I've said all three weeks of this um, series already, I believe he was teaching them his way of life. Because to Jesus, prayer wasn't just an activity you partook in maybe once a day or a couple times a day or when you showed up at synagogue. It was his way of life. To live in communication with the Father was how he took 
every step. So when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray, and he gave them this, what I believe what he was giving was the roadmap to how he lived his earthly life. And by doing so, open up a door of invitation, say, you can walk this way too. All right, and so that's what we've been talking about. And so the, the last two weeks, we literally got through our Father. <laughs> and it's been really good. Uh, today, we're going to take off, a, divide off a little bit more because you're thinking we're going to be here for years. Uh, <laughs> our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's where we're going today. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today we're zeroing in on that piece. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Now see, Jesus was teaching, as, he, as I said, his way of life. You could say a life of prayer. His life was a prayer, living in communion with the Father. This was how he lived the life he lived. This is the way of Jesus uh, we could even say for us living today, because when we read the New Testament, we see that we're not there. This is the way of revival. This is the way to living the fullness of life in God. Well, how do we know? How do we see on earth as it is in heaven? Well, if you look at the life of Jesus, just think about what you know from the Gospels. Everywhere Jesus went, what's happening? People are being healed. Miracles are happening. Um, pe uh, people's wrong mindsets are being changed. People who've been oppressed are being set free. Do you know what's happening? Heaven's breaking in on earth. That's what's happening everywhere Jesus goes. Because in heaven, people are not sick. In heaven, no one's oppressed. In heaven, no one's forgotten. In heaven, everyone matters. You see this expressed in the life of Jesus. In every moment, there's no lack. So if there's no food, there's going to be food. Multiplied miracles, right? So everything Jesus has done is this expression of heaven breaking in on the earth, earth situa earth's situation. And this is, what, this is what Jesus brought to, to life then. And this is what he brings to our lives. Amen. See, he wasn't, and, and, and I want us to understand, too, that Jesus, by living out this life that, that released heaven into the earth realm, if you will, wasn't just so that we would look and go, ooh, ah, Jesus. It was a sign and a wonder that made people say, what is it about you? Uh, and it was a herald of his coming. But it was also Jesus setting an example that we might walk in it. If you've read the Gospels, that might sound familiar. He was setting the example that we would walk in the same way as Jesus did on the earth. He came <laughs> from heaven to earth to show the way. Wait, don't, read, don't sing the rest. <laughs> to show the way. Literally. Not just how to get to heaven but to how to live with heaven on earth. Is this making sense? Maybe we'll have more songs to sing today. Maybe I'm going to roll. I don't know. To restore what God's original intent was, was that heaven would be on earth. Rewind. To day one, 
the life in the garden. You know what life in the garden was with Adam and Eve when God created it all and he created Adam and Eve and he breathed into them the breath of life and they came to life in the garden and they were dwelling on planet earth with God. It was heaven on earth. There wasn't a heaven over there and an earth here. God and man were together and there was no separation. That was the garden. Did you know? And the thing that brought the separation was the disobedience. The rejection of the Father's will, not, not listening to his way. But can you imagine, what, what, what was life like in the garden? How many of you think that living in the garden with God was good? I do. It was perfection, right? It was God's perfection. And we've never known anything like it really in our lifetime because um, that perfection was forever marred, you know, Nothing, not, we've never known anything like it, but it, it's exactly what we've been designed for. We've been designed for living a life in perfect relationship with God on planet Earth. That, that's what we were designed for. We weren't designed to, to live life for a little while here and then go far away for the rest of eternity. If that's news to you, now you know. So what happened in the garden? Again, you should know, but, but just to bring it down to simple, there, there's something going on here. Jesus, Jesus was come, came, right, to restore all that was lost. So we have to remember what was lost in the garden. What was the mistake in the garden that ruined heaven on earth? Well, deception, one, that Eve was deceived, Adam was deceived, and let's be clear, they both were deceived. <laughs> the villain in the story is not Eve, and it's not Adam. It's a serpent. It's the devil. It's the deceiver. Again, if you didn't know that, let me tell you. I read this week, somebody was like, we know Eve is the villain of the story. I was like, what? <laughs> There's a lot of really bad theology out on the internet, on social media. Get it straight. So there was a deception. But what ruined in the garden, um, the heaven on earth that they were experienced was the deception that we could somehow accomplish or take in our own strength what was meant to be given to us by God, right? That's what Eve was after. She wanted to get in her own strength what God was wanted to give her himself through relationship. That was the deception. The, the, the deceiver said, look at this. It's the tree of the knowledge. Don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to have that? Don't you want to be like God? She already was. And the knowledge of good and evil is, 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 and knowledge in general is a good thing. To want knowledge is a good thing. But Jesus, God, the Father, wanted to lead Adam and Eve himself into the knowledge of all things. And so the deception was, well, I could get this on my own. I don't need God for this. And let me tell you, that mindset of thinking we can get on our own what only God can give is the ultimate deception and will always lead to destruction. And that's what we're living in the repercussions of to this very day. Okay? So if we want to have, if we want to reclaim, if you will, a, a garden life with God, we have to have a dependence on him, a relationship with him, and a desire to agree with his will and trust that it's best. 
And that's what was rejected in that moment. God said, you, this is all for you. The whole garden is yours. Live here. Live, multiply, fill it, subdue it. It's all yours. Just don't eat from that one tree. God's will, God's guidelines. I would say they had a lot of latitude to enjoy the garden. But at this one point, chose to disagree with the way of the Father. You see that, right? I'm, 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 I'm going somewhere. God's will is his word and his ways. You know, now let me just take an aside here. because Some of you, I can kind of feel already you're like, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to believe. I don't want to believe for heaven on earth. And I've heard people say this because I don't like it here. Fair. <laughs> but when Jesus returns again, you know what he's going to do? He's going to reunite heaven and earth forever. So you want to get used to the idea that heaven's going to be on earth. God and man will dwell again on earth, and it won't be like this. Because he'll make it all new. And, and really what he has to do is make us all new. <laughs> the problem with earth isn't earth. It's that we haven't been made completely new yet. And that, that Jesus and God the Father are still experiencing separation because there's still people like you and me on the earth who are rejecting his will. But for eternity to come, we're not going away. We're going to come together. Jesus, Ephesians says, will bring all things in heaven and earth together in his name. Everything that's been divided, everything that's been separated, everything that's been broken is going to come together again in his name. That's us and God. That's you and me. That's every division. That's also heaven and earth. And it's going to be beautiful. You're going to love it. You're going to be grateful for it. Because you and I were made for it. To live with God right here. Amen. So this idea, though, of us agreeing with the will of God and the ways of God um, is really essential to that process. Um, sometimes I think even as believable, we think, well, God is God. He's in control. He'll take think, care of things. He's all-powerful. He's going to do what he wants to do in the end. And it doesn't really matter what I do between here and there because God's God and he's going to do what he wants. Which sounds really good, right? Sounds really good. But if that were the end of the matter, why would it have mattered at all what Adam and Eve did in the garden? Why would he have given them any guidelines at all if there was really no effect? In fact, we see the exact opposite is true. That when God created mankind in his likeness, in his image, it wasn't so that we could live here and do what we want and he'd be over there. It's that we would live in perfect union with God. And so our desires, our decisions to do this or that or to not do this or that and the other thing actually have huge repercussions because we're meant to walk in agreement with God, walk in fellowship with God, walk in friendship with God. And every opportunity we take as a divergence from that, that I'm just going to do my own thing becomes a separation. And as we see with Adam and Eve, that one decision to make her own decision didn't just affect her. It didn't just affect Adam and Eve. 
It affected the whole earth. It affected you and me. And I don't know if the magnitude is that great when there's only two people on the earth. It's going to affect all of them. But I would say that the, the, the paradigm is still true. Every decision we make to be in agreement with God's will, to say yes to Jesus and he wants, what he wants, his ways and his words, will release the life of God. We'll release the, the supernatural power of God in our planet, on our planet, in our midst. And every decision we make to say no, to disobey, to disregard, to choose our own way, you know what it does? It reaps destruction. And not just in me, in you and everyone I touch. And, and perhaps even into the spiritual atmosphere. So it matters what we do. Even when God is God, because when he created the created order in its original design, this was the way it was supposed to work. Is this making sense? But Jesus. But Jesus, he came to restore all that was lost. To reconnect all that was disconnected. The, to bring the whole earth back into union with the Father. By his body by his bloodshed, he has become the bridge. And he will restore all that was lost. Hallelujah. He's doing it in us. He's doing it all across the earth. And he will come in and impact one day on his return every system that exists on the planet and even the biology of the earth will be renewed. Hallelujah. That's really cool. So it means that but it means in the meantime that our understanding of how we relate to the will of God actually impacts the world around us. So what if, then, as believers now, reconnected to God by the body and blood of Jesus, every choice we make to agree and act in accordance with the word and the will of God has a restoring effect, an ordering effect, a glorifying impact on the world around us right here, right now? What if it does? Well, that would make sense as to why Jesus taught us that this is the way. And when you pray, when you relate to God, when you walk on the planet, say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just for the sweet by and by, it's for the right here and right now. To believe that somehow, some way, our lives will bring forth the life of heaven on earth because that's exactly what Jesus did. And that's what exactly what Jesus does, and his spirit is living in us. So that should be our 100% expectation of what he wants to do as believers. He doesn't want us to just await that day. You know, eternal life for you, if you are in Christ, doesn't begin when you die and go on the ground. It begins on the day when you die to yourself and submit to him as Lord. John 17, 3, Jesus said this in his prayer, communicating with the Father. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. What is eternal life? It's the moment you begin to know God and walk in relationship with him. Heaven for you begins there. It's not the fullness of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you this is the end. <laughs> and that, but that's what... what can, I believe, propels us forward because we all experience in this life things that are not okay. 
And that's why it's so hard to embrace this idea of heaven on earth. Like in my life right now, like I'm not seeing it. Exactly. You know why you know you're not seeing it? Because you're made for it. And until we see the fullness of it, there will always be an ache. There will always be a hunger. There will be like, God, there's got to be more. I know that you can do more. And that's actually why we long for heaven. When we think about it, when we sing about it, when we think about no more tears, no more death, no more dying, we're like, I want that because you were made for it. It's not just because we're experiencing pain. The pain of our situation, the pain we're actually experiencing is the disconnect. All that Jesus came to restore has not yet been restored in our experience. And so we're longing for it. We're, we're waiting for it. But I will tell you, you have experienced some. You have tasted and seen some. That's how you know him. The moment you heard the gospel, the moment the truth came to your heart and you said, oh, yes, you tasted, you got a foretaste of heaven. And every day you walk in relationship with him and you remember, God, you've been so good to me all the days of my life. What was it you said, Cindy? It was so beautiful. When we remember his kindness and goodness, we're tasting it again. Oh, he's so good. I don't have to wait till then. He's with me now, but I want so much more. How shall we then live? Your kingdom come, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. To walk in the intimate knowledge of God. So let's talk about that, though. What is this idea of heaven? And I'm going to oversimplify. If you want great explanations, talk to, like, Jim, who's written books about it. Um, But in the simplest way I can think of, what is the essence of heaven? Is the place where God's perfect will is perfectly being done with no distractions. It's where his perfect lordship and leadership is being expressed. Can you agree to that? And so the place where we have no more tears, no more death, no more dying, no more decay, no more frustration, no more sadness, no more oppression, no more lack, is where his will is being done. Where his lordship is unhindered. Oh, are you catching it now? When we want God's will in our life, we're actually inviting that reality of heaven. We will significantly reduce the amount of pain and frustration we have when we submit to God's leadership. When we submit to his word, when we submit to his will, we're actually inviting a greater expression of heaven into our lives. We're asking for him to be the provider, for him to deal with the issues that separate us from him. Is that making sense? Why is heaven beautiful? It's because no one is saying no to Jesus. <laughs> no one's trying to accomplish on their own what only God can do. You want to experience heaven on earth, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Make sure you're submitting yourself to the will of God. Make sure you're coming into agreement with the word of God. You know why? You know why this is so beautiful? You know why Jesus' life was so beautiful? That's what he did. That's all that he did. The life you see me living, he said, is I'm not doing this on my own. I only do what I I hear him tell me to do. I only say what I hear him tell me to say. And you're like, well, what if I don't know what he's saying or what he's doing? Hallelujah, you have the word of God. You can know what the Father is saying. You can know what he's doing every time you open up the pages. And and it's as simple and as difficult (laughs) as taking that and saying, Okay. Yes, Lord. 
Because it is simple, but it's terribly difficult, isn't it? You read that one passage? I got one in mind right now in my life. The Lord keeps reminding me of like, I love it and I hate it. But I want more of him. I want more of heaven. So my, my only choice really is yes, Lord. And every day I'm just going to choose to bow my will to his will. That's what Jesus was teaching. You mean it wasn't just fancy words that we're supposed to preach when we go to church? Especially that church over there, because they do it all the time. Our Father in heaven, I mean, no, it's a way of life. But when I say your kingdom will come on earth as it is, I'm not just hoping for like some rocket of glory from heaven to hit there. I'm saying I submit me to your will. I submit my mind to your mind today, and we should do it daily, actually moment by moment. You know, I submit myself. It's a declaration. The way Jesus taught it is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a declaration, but I believe it's also a submission. When we take it personally unto ourselves, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's between the lines, what's in the white between the black is not my will, not my way be done. Because what's going to happen when you do that? Ask Eve. My will be done. My way be done. I'm going to reap destruction when I make my way, when I choose my way instead of Jesus' way, instead of choosing the way of his word and of submitting to it. Is this making sense? God's kingdom coming then is actually not so, you know, airy-fairy is the phrase coming to mind. <laughs> there was another guy who used to always say that. It's not so up in the clouds as it sounds. Although it's quite mystical, quite powerful, and supernatural, the kingdom of God coming, for our lives today, it's as simple as a decision of the will with the help of the Holy Spirit. To say, what I need most in my life is the will of God, the kingdom of God, the way of God, and so I choose to submit to his way. And then it becomes a declaration, a request, a prayer from our lips. This is how Jesus lived. This is how Jesus lived. And if Jesus got to live that way and I get to live that way, then I'm in good company. But it begins as a decision of the mind, the will, the heart. I want you more than I want me. Then it becomes a spoken declaration. Lord, your kingdom, your will be done in my life. I submit to your lordship. And then it manifests in my life by me obediently responding to his words obediently walking in the way that he tells me to uh, in response to his word and his spirit. Because what happens is when we do our part, that, God does his part. And our part, guys, it's like this. But if you can do your, your part, then God does his part. You can't make the kingdom come, but you can do your part. You can submit yourself to him. You submit yourself to his word. You can walk in obedience. Even Jesus had to learn to walk in obedience. But good news, if Jesus did it and his spirit's in you, you're empowered to do the same. One of the passages that blows my mind, and I have like three more that we won't read them all because we're almost out of time. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about this, talks about Jesus' life on earth. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says this, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears 
to the ones who could save him from death. That got serious, but this is what really happened. But he was heard because of his reverent submission. Did you ever think that God needed to submit to God? Jesus had a will. He was a human like you and me. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience. And if the Son of God has to learn obedience to the will of the Father, guess what? Sons and daughters get to learn obedience too. We have the choice of our will. God will never force his hand on us. He will never make us obey. So it will always be your choice, as simple and beautiful, but as terribly hard as it can be, to submit yourself to the glorious goodness of God. And that's what it is. God will never be a tyrant. He's not a meanie. His plans are the best plans. And when we say yes to him, we get the best life. Honestly. Not without suffering. But I'll tell you, it's 100,000 times better than saying no to God. The submission of Jesus' will to the Father brought a glorious outcome. It brought salvation to us. It brought healing. It brought restoration. It brought redemption. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to skip to the end, which reminds me of another song. It's great. Which one should we read? We're invited to walk as Jesus walks. First John 2 talks about them, that whoever claims to live in him, to know him, must walk as he does. But what I want to read to you is Romans 14. The kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What does the kingdom of God look like? Romans 14, 17 says this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Pause. Just for context, Paul's actually writing about, you know, fights over what we should eat or drink or holy days and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he inserts in that conversation a powerful, potent, universal truth, Okay. Just, you're like, you're taking that out of context. Well, yes and no. <laughs> truth is the truth, and this is the truth. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in that way, with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, is pleasing to God and receives, and receives human approval. So the kingdom of God is simply, what does it look like? Heaven on earth, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe that's what it looks like in heaven right now. Those who've gone before us that know the Lord are experiencing his fullness of righteousness, peace, and joy. But we all want more of that. We all want it. Now, we've received righteousness as a gift through Jesus, but peace and joy are ours as well. And to whatever extent we're not experiencing it is the extent in which we should be saying, I want more of your kingdom. <laughs> Your kingdom come. What area are you not at peace in? Bring your kingdom into that area of my life, Lord. And how do I get your kingdom? By making you king. By submitting to your will. In what way am I not submitting to you in this situation? So your kingdom can come. You want priest, joy, 
Submit to the kingdom of God, you get righteousness, peace, and joy. For real. I want to give you a challenge, and then we'll wrap it. I've given you a challenge each time. Uh, we've done one of this, this series of living the life of Jesus. And I want you to know, like, this isn't just a teaching thing for me. Like, the Lord has had me on this journey over the last year. And I was like, we should bring that to the fam. Here we are. I literally went through this Luke 11 prayer over a series of months. Just like, Father, teach me. So I'm skimming off the top so that you'll go get your own. But here's a challenge. For at least a week. But if you're willing to do good, do 21 days because you start a new habit that way. Start your day submitting to the Lordship of Jesus and the Father as King. And you can pray it over every area of your life. I try to do this every day when I remember. But I start with me. Lord, I submit to you. I call you my King. I make you Lord of my life again today. Not just a prayer that I prayed one time. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Jesus came to my life, you know, 35 years ago. No, today, I admit that you're Lord, and I submit to your leadership. And then I begin to ask for the, now that I've made him king, now I can ask for his kingdom to come. Lord, let your kingdom come in my family. Let your kingdom come in my home. Let your kingdom come in my finances, in my relationships. Uh, let your kingdom come. Everything that concerns me, let your kingdom come. But I, I believe, I thoroughly believe that his kingdom can't come if I'm not submitted to him as king. Right? His lordship can't really be expressed. So start there. Start each day submitting to him as, as lord and then invite his kingdom to come every day. If Jesus prayed this way, even on the most important day of his life, how much more should we do it every day? Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? When he's in the garden before he's about to be crucified, he's sweating blood and tears. And he says, but not my will, but yours. He's submitting his life to the Father. On the most crucial day of his life, that's what he did. Well, how, how much better if we could do that every day? Not just when we're in the crunch. <laughs> not just when we're so stressed we're sweating blood. That is a stress response, by the way. You've hopefully never experienced stress like that. You didn't have to go through what Jesus did. As we agree with the will of God, as we speak and ask for it, as we act in obedience to it, the Father will release more of heaven on earth. In us, around us, and through us. This is life. This is eternal life. Let's stand. Do you want to come on up, Meredith? That would be amazing. I just want to pray for us. As we agree, again, with the will of God, we speak and ask for it and act in obedience to it, we will see more of heaven on earth, more of the kingdom of God in us and through us. We want that, don't we? This is life. This is revival. This is the way of Jesus. Let's come before him. Close your eyes, would you, would you as we pray? Father, what are we that you're mindful of us? We think so little of ourselves, and you think so much of us. You crown us with glory and honor. You make us kingdom agents. Our choice to follow you changes the world around us.
Lord, here we are and we say yes again. Just so we've got our eyes closed here. I just want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you've never actually truly surrendered your life and said, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my King. I want to follow you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right here, right now. And it's the Lord offering the opportunity to you. So I'm not here to point you out or single you out, but I want to give you the opportunity. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? I want to, I want to surrender to Jesus fully as Lord. I want to give my whole life to obeying him. I want to live in his kingdom. If that's you, raise your hand. He's so good. He's so good. He's so worthy of following. So worthy of knowing. I don't see any hands raised, so we're going to keep going. As we're here in this moment before the Lord, if you're feeling challenged, the Holy Spirit's touching your heart, just alerting you that you've really just kind of been doing it on your own. But you need to bring yourself into alignment with the ways and the word of God, the will of God, and submit your mind and will to him again. Would you just do that? Again, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but I would, I would put my hands out before him. I would say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to submit to you. I want your will. I want your kingdom. I want your will in my life. I want your kingdom more in my life. And I repent for living my own way, for not listening, not leaning in, for living disconnected. Lord, I'm sorry. If that's you, just go ahead and make your own prayer before the Lord. And we're not going to stay here a long time. But we can't hear the word and not respond. Would you just respond to him right now? Respond to his will. Respond to his word. Respond to his spirit right now. And say, Jesus, I want you in charge. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want your will and your way in my life, God.